Hey guys, Daryl here again. How are you? Hope you're well. It's time for episode 10 of the Mission Control podcast. We are getting into double digits now, so I'm going to celebrate with a glass of wine. Feel free to do the same wherever you are on the computer, uh, in the car, traveling to work, traveling home from work, wherever the fuck you are, arguing with a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. That's the true beauty of podcasts to me. You can pause it, delete it, forward it, you know, whatever you like. I just want to spend a really quick minute talking about what is this podcast and what other podcasts mean to me as well, not just this one. Um, a lot of people ask me, what is the point of the podcast? Um, so I thought I, um, I would explain to you what it means to me and why I'm doing it. Um, now, a podcast to me is it's basically a way to listen in on a conversation um, with someone in a more intimate fashion. Um, as most of you know, commercial radio has a lot of restrictions on what you can say, um, how much time you have, etc. Now, a podcast doesn't have any of those restrictions. Um, It really puts control in the hands of the listener. Um, You can download anytime you want. You can listen at your own pace, which is much different to radio. The biggest difference um, in the podcast to me is the fact that you can actually intimately get to know the people speaking. Uh, in a casual format, because because of the fact that it's genuine conversation with real chemistry of people interacting with each other, you actually feel like you're a part of the conversation. Um, you simply do not get that with radio. Um, at least, I don't think so. Um, it really allows people's real personalities to come through and to say what's on their mind without any restrictions, whether it be censorship or time. So the the idea of this particular podcast basically came about through regular conversations with my friends um, at bars or gigs or, or even over the phone. We started, you know, thinking about people outside the circle listening in on the conversation and how it could be fairly entertaining for them. I'm not in any way implying, of course, that our conversations are more interesting than other people's, but that's exactly the point of the podcast. It's real conversation between real people. We all have, you know, busy times in our lives. Um, We have work, we've got commitments to other things, you know, family, pets, whatever. Um, Sometimes, you know, isolated time to ourselves um, for long periods, um, we kind of miss that chemistry of conversation. And, you know, me, me personally, when I don't have the time to, you know, have people over or if I'm in a position where I don't have people around me, Um, listening to a podcast is a perfect way to experience the feeling of conversation without actively being in one. So that to me, um, that's kind of, you know, where the, the idea of the podcast came from, um, was simply harnessing the chemistry of, you know, real conversations and recording it, you know, 
Um, you might not see the point to that. You might think it's, you know, stupid. Uh, but, you know, the, the one thing I found is that, you know, people either get podcasts or they don't get it, you know. And I think for a lot of radio listeners, it's especially hard to transition into the idea of a podcast, especially one that's as casual as this one. So... Wherever you are, um, I thank you so much for listening. I know even if it's five people, if it's ten people or one per, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I have this um, insatiable desire to want to, you know, try it out, to put it out there. So, yeah, basically, I'd like to thank everyone for listening, all the support. I mean, everyone I talk to, it seems, no matter who they are, has nothing but good things to say. If not for the podcast in particular, just just the very idea of it, they've been very supportive of, which to me goes to show that it is something that's kind of untapped in media today, especially in Perth or let alone Australia. Um, it, it's something that I think will grow in the future. Um, so wherever you are, thanks for listening. I'd also like to announce that we are officially on iTunes. Um, if you search for Mission Control Podcast in the search field in the iTunes store. You should be able to find us and you can hit subscribe um, on your Apple device, which means every time I upload an episode, it will pop up as a optional download uh, in your podcast list. So don't forget as well, you can go to missioncontrol.com.au, that is missionctrl.com.au, uh, to view our website, um, which shows all of the upcoming guests um, and past episodes if you miss one or if you want to go back to an earlier one, you can do that as well. So that brings me to today's guest. We have the wonderful Drew Goddard from a band called Carnival. Uh, we're going to talk some shit and drop some mad knowledge on you cunts. Uh, but before we do that, um, I just want to cross over to my buddy, who's also another host on Mission Control. His name's Johnny. Um, he's in Romania at the moment. Um, he's uh, backstage uh, at a festival called Rockstard. Um, that's spelt R-O-C-K-S-T-A-D-T. Uh, it's a black metal festival. He's also been through uh, several cities in Europe, uh, including Amsterdam. Not too sure if he'll remember much from that part of the trip. Uh, but we're going to quickly cross over to him, and then we're going to go straight over to Drew from Carnival. I think he's at the door, actually, so let's check it out. Hey, Johnny, how you going? Thanks, Daryl. Yes, I'm here on the top floor of the balcony of Hotel Venezia in Bucharest, Romania. Looking down on the street. Cars, trams, people. This place is so bizarre. I can actually see the entire People's Palace from here. Where the old um, dictator Ceausescu lived. I'm not sure if he actually lived there. I think he actually got shot before he moved in. So we're here for three weeks we've just been on a week tour through Transylvania on a Dracula tour um, seeing where Vlad Tepes Dracula um, went to where he was born had dinner where he was born in his house uh, through some castles that he lived in a few fortresses that he stayed at all the way to the place that he was fucking buried being a fucking arrogant prick they made him they made the people re build the entire church around his grave 
so he would be in the center of the fucking church. That's fucking dedication. That's fucking good. Um, so we're in Bucharest for another two days, and then we're going to head up to Tuda, which is in the northwest area of Romania. It's going to be about a five-hour drive. Yes, I'm hiring a car. I'm going to drive in Romania. I got my head around it. Just like America, back to front. It's all mirrored. Hey, well, if I can drive in Los Angeles, I can drive in Romania. Um, so we're going to spend a few days there, and then we're going to head back down to Bran. We're going to stay in Bran, but we're actually going to a three-day metal festival called Rockstad in Rushnov, which is about a ten-minute drive from Bran. And we have VIP backstage passes for the entire three-day festival. Going to be hanging out with some black metal bands from Romania, Sweden. We got Karash and Gren, which is my girlfriend's favourite band. So we'll be trying to hang out with them, maybe have some dinner, have a few drinks. Also on the bill is Gorgira, um, Napalm Death, a whole bunch of bands. You can look it up, Rockstud, Romania. So that'll be in a couple of, about a week's time. And just... Just Romania itself is just insane. First of all, don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it looks like the traffic doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. There's no bloody indication. People just cutting out in front of people. I've got some video. I'll have to post some video of the driving there. And I'm hoping this quality isn't too bad for you guys back in Perth, Australia, or wherever you are listening to this podcast. So I'm just sitting on a balcony in Bucharest on my... Galaxy S4 using a voice recorder. You know, that's, that's the way technology has happened now. You don't need fucking fancy microphones, compressors, computer equipment. You just do it on your fucking phone. Um, I prefer to be doing it professionally like we have been working on, but, you know, when in Rome, or Romania, Drew from Carnival is on the, on the show. I've been looking really forward to it. I know Drew's got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Besides music, Drew, how many strings are in your guitar? How do you get your hair nice and shiny? Um, they're the questions everyone wants to know. But my question for you, Drew, is do you believe that there is an eternal battle between good and evil that is still raging today? Thanks, guys. I'll speak to you soon when I'm back in the good old land of Oz. Have a good one. in the house how you going g'day g'day i'm good <laughs> good good man what have you been up to um i've just been back in perth for a while now just um we finished a uh, a tour for the album uh, we just released asymmetry a few weeks ago and um that's album number three for us and we did some capital city shows around the country and um they were good but now we're back in perth and set up the studio again and we're trying to get stuck you know into writing again as soon as possible so we can uh, wow like, so soon yeah, yeah. I mean, like every time we've like you know like to think we can cut down the gap between records but we're this is the soonest we've got back into writing this time so hopefully we can narrow it down the uh, yeah the four-year olympiad of, of records well some of the songs are like a year old 
because um, I've seen like footage on YouTube from like as back as the middle of 2012. Yeah, yeah, um, even earlier than that. I think the refusal, which was the first song we wrote for the record, I think we finished that in 2011. Um, I think we played that for the first time at Metro City the last time we played there before the recent show, and. Um, yeah, it, it's always a, a lengthy period to, to write these songs, but the songs I think that we, you know, we get to to, uh, to trial live are usually the better ones on the record, you know, because yeah. they get to go through a few stages and we can test them out in the road and test out reactions and the way it feels on stage, and they're usually my favourites, those ones. I think people don't realise, like, the... Like, how long the the gap is between writing a song and actually recording it and releasing it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even me, like, as far as I was concerned, all those songs were brand new, but obviously, like, half of them are, like, a year old, so... Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, in the case of The, the Refusal, you know, they'd ended up on YouTube straight afterwards, and there's, yeah. uh, you know... <laughs> Which kind of kills the initial um, surprise when the, the records come out. Mm, now, that's there's so much uh, transparency now with like bands. Like you can see a brand new song, like even when it's not released. Yeah, like, exactly. As yeah. soon as it's played, it's uh, it's almost public property. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But that's, you know, that's that's cool. I, I spend half my time trawling on YouTube and looking at that sort of stuff. Anyway, yeah. do so. you watch your own videos as well? Um, <laughs> Sometimes for the new stuff, uh, it's it's good to see back. Um, and there's you know been a certain couple of times like that where I think we nailed you know one of the new songs and I end up emailing it to everyone and going you know this this little thing that you did there, John. You know just remember that when I come to record it because uh, you know I didn't even know you were doing that. So yeah, it's cool to uh, to listen back sometimes, but only to new stuff. Like I can't. I don't think I've even listened to the uh, the live uh, DVD that we released with the album the whole way through. You know, I can't I can't bring myself to to listen back sometimes because you've got in your head, you know, how you think the gig went, and sometimes you watch it back and you go, oh god. Mm. <laughs> I thought I prefer to keep my memory intact of of the show. You know, I know everything. Uh, everything's just exposed when you watch yourself. You know, yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a football team watching back. You know, their their game the day afterwards. You know. And going, oh god! It's, mm. Sometimes it's good to do that, so you can, you know, um, diagnose the where, where things went wrong and try and make them better. But um, you know, yeah, I prefer to just uh, let them go mm. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, it's it's the camera has such a objective view. Like you, you realize so much about your playing, like how you stand or how you move and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know why that that always gets to me as well when I watch myself drum. It's mm. like. Do I really look like that? Fuck, I better calm down. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it, it could go either way. You know, it could inspire you to become better or it could just destroy your soul. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably why I won't listen back to this podcast. I'm, Do I really sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there, there was, yeah. When I first started it, there was, yeah, at least, you know, um, a couple of months where I couldn't bring myself to listen to it. Now I just don't give a fuck, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. My usual sidekick is not here he's actually um he's at a metal festival in romania called rockstar oh amazing yeah the the black metal festival i'm not sure if you've heard it i've heard of it but yeah that's um Um, he had a question he basically wants to know do you think there's a fundamental battle between good and evil well i mean the you know the world's a stage that's what i always remind myself of that all the time and Mm. um and you know, it comes down to duality, I think, and, you know, the the battle between good and evil and, and dark and light and all that sort of stuff. It's just part of the, uh, you know, 
part of a, a grand stage show really mm. um and i try to remind myself that you know i think part of asymmetry actually was uh you know kind of seeing beyond duality um or you know which is a very hard idea for us to as humans to try and get our heads around you know mm. because it's the era we're in at the moment is is an era of duality you know it's uh you know the masculine and the feminine and the, and the dark and the light and, and black and white yeah. yeah the two sides of the coin really yeah. um and yeah it's it's uh it's uh, to me it's it is it is an illusion um good and evil it's but it's at the same time it's very real in in this in this reality and it's part of life you know um mm. but i think there's a there's a deeper um i don't know there's a deeper understanding behind it you know and you find a lot of um cultures are you know like the the buddhists try to uh get themselves in a, in a zone where they can see beyond that you know and, and understand that it's all coming from the same source you know mm. so uh yeah that's a very very <laughs> deep one to get started with it is but. yeah i mean because we work best when there's you know duality because it makes us feel comfortable with knowing that there's a direct source of evil and a direct source of good mm. therefore we can kind of align our lives with that but you know it's, it is all subjective i mean there are some so-called evil people whether they are, are or not um that believe that what they're doing is actually good in the long long yeah. run so and they see themselves as light workers or something like that you know yeah exactly like you know especially once you get deep into like the occult and stuff and lucifer i mean people think that he's actually the good person because he broke away from god he was yeah. the anomaly that brought about a whole pile of change so mm. is he necessary or is he just another evil person you know disguising himself so yeah exactly yeah. well it comes down to the um you know it's the us and them us versus them mentality which is so prevalent you know and when you like when you said you look into the occult um and you you find you know there's by today's definition there's a lot of evil you know work at play or what people would perceive as evil doings but uh mm. um looking at it like you know it's us versus them you know like you know we are the 99 percent versus the one percent it's yeah. still it's still us versus them which is kind of what got us into so much trouble in the first place i think so mm. i try to just remind myself that while that's uh, um you know that's like i said before the world's a stage and we need to allow this uh us versus them thing to, to play out and mm. we're all playing our roles you know it's like a big stage show but just to know um that it's just it's just us and only us you know so yeah there's yeah every time i you know really dwell and, and kind of think about it it's almost like the the world's kind of working itself out you know yeah. that's you know because we only have like a minute amount of objectivity with our lives and how we are reflected in the world so yeah i kind of get this feeling that you know even when things are bad it's necessary and something is kind of being worked out yeah, through us definitely um well i think a lot of that um you know when you look into the um you know the happenings in the world and the things that are happening on the on the, the grand scale you know it's, it's essentially a mirror it's mirroring back um aspects of you you know because within every person is the you know the uh both both sides of the coin you know that mm -hmm. we as humans we have the capabilities of doing you know terrible things and we have the capabilities of of being amazing loving you know respectful people and and 
landing on the moon and you yeah. know, doing these incredible things and and this era of of uh you know human existence is so amazing to see us pushing in these two directions where we're um you know the the things we're discovering about ourselves and and the technological advances and at the same time you know you just think we're destroying ourselves at the same time you know mm. there's so much stupidity that's happening on a grand scale and mm. um, i mean there's even the the whole concept that maybe the entire purpose of humans is to bring about the next phase which is a techni- you know a technological similarity almost um maybe that's what we're here for and, and you know we're, we're trying to fight it but obviously it's heading that way i mean you can see now with technology how advanced it's getting yeah i mean who knows i mean they, they even think that they could download your whole memory or consciousness into a hard drive soon yeah well so that's it's like nanotechnology is such an amazing um area of, of you know and that's advancing things in a, in a way that like you said things are are speeding up you know it's uh exponentially exponentially yeah. and the, like you mentioned the singularity before it's mm. um yeah who knows it's an exciting time to be alive and i don't know where we're headed and i don't know exactly why um everything is happening you know and it's, uh but i think a lot of it is um understanding that we're not really in control you know we like to mm. think we're in control but even the people you think that are guiding our lives you know the hidden hand they're not in control either you know it's it's a, yeah it's, beyond all of us as a race you know there's certain things you can control but i think that's kind of what i've been trying to do in the last few years is uh understand what's within my control and what i can't and 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 let go of those things that Mm. that weigh you down you know yeah having said that though there there is so much that we are in control of that we don't realize like Mm. we are kind of scripting our lives every day we wake up and we we kind of choose to see things certain ways and some things that some things we accept which we can actually change so yeah definitely um and i think as i get older now i'm kind of realizing that you know um your energy that you put into the world it it reflects back onto you Mm. so which is why you know i'm kind of at the stage now where i'm trying to just cut negativity out of my life and just you know whether it be negative people or a job or whatever you know whatever that vampire is that's sucking your sucking that energy yeah Yeah. sucking that energy out it's like you know trying to get a hold of it and and take control of it so which is a you know it's not an easy thing to do um it isn't yeah you yeah everyone battles with it you know every day it's a battle pretty much yeah on the conscious level yeah that's kind of what uh this year is to me that it's not you know the, the latest battle isn't happening you know with with on the battlefield as such the battlefield is is in the mind you know it's a it's a battle of um of of consciousness and um and i think you know like if you relate uh consciousness to like a frequency you know and think about it in terms of energy and frequency and and vibration it's definitely rising and um Mm. that's to me where i feel like we're you know we're, we're definitely in control of um of things and we co-create our reality but at the same time there's something that's fundamental like a you know this thing that we're all a part of this underlying frequency that we're all sort of getting sucked into it and we're, we're uh, we can't really control that you know there's something there's something bigger that we're uh, we're a part of mm. in that way which i can't even begin to describe but it doesn't stop me from trying from thinking about it all day (laughs) yeah you can drive yourself crazy thinking about it but yeah i find it really interesting and do you think we're kind of heading towards a 
more of a collective consciousness. I mean, because in the old days, you know, back into the you know Egyptian times and things like that, there was a strong sense of a collective conscious where everyone was on the same wavelength. Um, I kind of think we're losing that now. There's so much focus on individuality and opinion, like what I think is different to you, so therefore we're against each other, you know. Mm. Um, so do you think the idea of technology is going to probably bring transparency, you know, out in people as individuals, or do you think that we're actually going backwards? We're actually taking away from, you know, what we once were? Uh, I don't think we're going backwards. I think this is all you know, sort of playing out in, mm. in the way it's meant to. Um, yeah, as in terms of individuality, you know, it's. Um, I just think there's no ultimate truth, you know, and, and when it comes down to people trying to uh, put their, you know, everyone's got, it's just subjective, you know, we're all looking yeah. at the same thing from a different angle and, um, you know, if you, if you, that's where I think belief, when belief comes into it, that's that's the death of of, of growth. You know, like you, I'm constantly um, reevaluating my my belief system and and uh, or, or the way I, I see things. And I think you know, just um, the idea of tolerance and and trying to see things from multiple angles is uh, is where we need to go. Um, and you know, in the, in, the, in terms of co-creating the future together. And the internet's a big part of that, you know. It's it's yeah. almost like a um, chaos that's sort of, you know, and you can see some order within this chaos that, that is like a projection of the human psyche in so many ways, you know. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing era to be alive to see all this information. Definitely. And, I mean, and disinformation, you know, and try and oh, hell yeah. fi- find your way through, you know, yeah. which it's a slippery slope down in, in that. Uh, that. That to me is, is the benefit of the internet, though. I mean, mm. so many people say... Um, oh, there's so much crap on the internet. And I'm like, well, that's good because it's training you to see through the bullshit. Be discerning, and, yeah. And to be a little bit objective of your point of view as well and to kind of critically think about a lot of things. Mm. So I think the idea that the internet is full of crap is a good thing mm. because it's training you to, to see through that and to kind of develop your own you know, path through it. You Definitely. Know? Yeah, and, you know, I think the internet needs to be how <clears> it is. It's perfect the way it is because mm. it, it is chaotic like you said um but that is not really a problem that's probably an advantage of it you know definitely yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what it's like you get on the internet and uh, it's just a barrage of information and to try and uh you know you've got so much stuff coming at you from you know the, the official you know uh mainstream media and then you know which is necessary to hear that kind of thing and and take that with a grain of salt obviously like i'm always you know of course watching the news from a skeptical angle and then but also when you go onto these alternative news websites and uh you know the the free media if you will and and also taking that with a grain of salt and looking at it skeptically but also um as important as being skeptical i find it's as important if not more important to be able to suspend disbelief as well because i think that's something that a lot of people forget about and i um kind of use a metaphor of you know having molder on one shoulder and scully on the other and you know referring to them both you know and just like um because you know for those people who aren't aware of that little um you know (laughs) pop culture reference um fox Mulder was the one that wanted to believe and dana scully was the the scientific skeptic you know yeah and um so i find myself 
you know, I, I just see it so many times. You know, I like to sit back and watch um, a lot of discussions that take place on the internet. And, um, you know, there's something that that's so new and, and threatens, it threatens people's belief system and their, their worldview, you know. And when that happens, it's this... Um, something that's inbuilt to our and you know into human psyche is that um you know just it cuts off it's a protective kind of thing that Mm. just says no that's uh yeah that's too much and but they as i think there's a einstein quote that's like um condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance and i always remember that you know like to condemn something without even looking into it you know and, and giving something a chance even no matter how weird the idea is yeah and that's why i you know I, I love being a bit of a fringe dweller and i'm proud to say that i you know that's where all the the interesting stuff is a lot of it's speculative but um it's it, so necessary though yeah it's so necessary to just um you know unlock yourself and you know challenge your beliefs all the time which mm-hmm. i think a lot of people have a big problem with um i think they call it cognitive dissonance you know, yeah that's right when something kind of uh threatens your belief system the obvious um defense mechanism is to reject it or to ridicule it or to condemn the person offering that idea yeah which instead I think of is the information yeah. yeah because now there's a lot of there's a culture developing where people actually actively attack the character of the person offering that idea yeah as opposed to actually looking at the idea yeah you know and i get it a lot as well i'm sure you do as well oh uh, yeah I've, I mean, I've, I've got many tinfoil hats at home so. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's, it's the idea that uh, um you know he's offering this idea that is a reflection on his morality and him him as a person yeah. and i think that is such a dangerous trap to get into because we're actually we stop growing once we do that because we are actually setting up little walls around us where we don't want to go any further than that. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you see that time and time again where people, uh, you know, who um, come out with these what seem like crazy ideas to me now aren't that crazy. What is crazy is, you know, the way that grown adults just immediately act like children and start like <laughs> throwing abuse at these people instead of the information that they they uh they put on the table that mm. you know and most of the time if they if they're putting it out there and saying this is the truth this is you know, you've got to believe me then i think they deserve ridicule you know but if they're exactly. saying you know just question everything this is this is what you know my research or this is where i've been led to down this path of information and um I think it's it's worth our attention, and if you know it's, uh, and then to be ridiculed without the information even being, you know, looked into one tiny yeah. bit is just it's just not on. Yeah, but it and happens every day. You yeah, know, all totally. The time. And the the real problem is once you kind of dig that hole for yourself, that is the impression that people have of you. Mm. Therefore, anything you know, you could say the most neutral comment. And they will interpret it as you trying to imply a certain thing because mm-hmm. that's what they've associated with your character. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, he said this. Oh, like, I've read his post before or I've heard what he talks about. Uh, this is what you must mean. And then they assume what you mean without actually just looking at objectively at the idea yeah. in the first place. But I think, you know, it's you always need to expect that kind of um, uh, rebuttal and... Um, and, you know, quite often, like I said, I like to be a bit of a spectator. Uh, even on social media, you know, someone will make a comment and then 
you know, even though there's someone's opinion that I don't disagree with, but they come, you know, and someone needs to take that hard line. And I'm, and I'm almost thankful. I'm like, thank you for taking that hard line, even though I don't agree with you. Yeah. And it's, you know, then you see down the discussion and, and all of those different um, opinions help to, uh, you know, come out with hopefully a constructive outcome that everyone who took part in that conversation can can get something from you know yeah um and like i said before you're all looking at the same thing but from different angles from your you know because all you've got is your consciousness you know that's um you know the world that you see is is all happening within your head you know that's just the way you interpret your environment so um to kind of claim some ultimate truth you know about a matter is um a very hard thing to do with so much so yeah. much information so i don't know but we're all we're all in this together that's that's the main thing well, I'm we trying are to get at. yeah and yeah I, I refuse to i mean even if i come across someone that um i disagree with i refuse to associate that with their character i think we can all still get along mm. You know, having all of our different opinions on things, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of people see that as a excuse or reason to shut that person out, and that really just stops them as people growing as well. Because definitely, yeah, you've set up all these barriers where you know you refuse to have anything challenged. Yeah, especially once you get into like reductionist science and you know the the skeptic movement. You know where everything is kind of broken down so mathematically, you know, to the point where if it isn't proven, if it isn't peer-reviewed, then it's a stupid idea, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, science is, you know, an amazing tool, and it's it's the best tool humans have to, to understanding the way things work. But at the same time, the, the other side of the coin is that it also holds us back in, in this, uh, you know... There's an intellectual snobbery that comes about, you know, and, and, a, and a closed-mindedness along with the institution of science. You know, it's it's almost the new... <laughs> it's, it's becoming a new religion in, in some ways. It you know, is. Like, that, that's, like, that's like the ultimate irony that I find, that when people spout these rebuttals, you know, with science, it's almost like a religion. Like, it's almost like they are following some sort of a dogma, which they aren't, but... I think um, the enthusiasm of which they reject things is like they they're religious themselves, mm. which they aren't. But which is it, it's funny to see people so almost angry, you know. Once they you know have a conclusion scientifically, they yeah. they just you know project it onto people in a negative way, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's you know that's why I consider myself an agnostic, you know. And I think the ability to say i don't know is one of my strengths <laughs> is yeah you know because i you know and i think people are so you know they, they they need to have an opinion on something um and i sometimes i get out of my depth you know as in conversations like this and i always got to remind myself that hang on like i don't need to have an opinion on this if i uh exactly you don't need to know yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so many people are so concerned about the idea of not knowing something Mm. And they can't just say and admit that we're all in the same boat. We're, we're all probably equally as scared of, you know, where this is all headed. Yeah. And so... But there's, know, a, there's a beauty in the unknown as well. And that's what I think, um, you know, people who come from, um, you know, more of a uh, um, spiritual 
um, side of things that you know that's it's all part of the same tree I think the spirituality and science you know you're all you've, you've got a um, there's a mystique and there's an intrigue about the unknown um, yeah and you know you, you find people like these great minds like Nikola Tesla and Einstein you know they were, they were very um, spiritual people as well the you know science was was their thing but they uh, you know they said it was always a um, always part of the same tree so. yeah I think Carl Sagan said that as well you know um, as much as science and spirituality want to be separate mm. it's actually coming from the same place which are you know and that's the area that I really um, find myself interested in is um, you know there's uh, this, this new kind of era and it's almost like the uh, consciousness study really because you know what what is consciousness for a start I guess it's the the area where philosophy and and science and and you know ancient mysticism kind of collide you know there's like a such a fascinating era you know especially when I love the idea of rational um you know scientific thinkers taking things to the fringe and and you know trying things like experimenting with altered states of consciousness and that yeah, sort of thing or even like quantum physics and stuff like that mm. there's a extremely spiritual and psychedelic element to quantum physics yeah but you know it's um, a baffling it's a baffling area that you know like it's almost like science and magic are kind of close to each other yeah i mean if if you were to show someone technology you know hundreds of years ago they would say that's magic yeah but it's a reality and here we are with phones that you know send pictures yeah within we, two seconds and we would have considered that magic you know two thousand years ago um whereas i think you know like i hear a, you know stories of um um a, an aboriginal lady's come up to a guitarist you know and, and said that you know you're making magic out of that thing like that's that's magic you're a magician mm-hmm. you know and it's uh uh, but that that is that is magic. It's something that you don't kind of understand at, at the time. But it's uh, it's there's always probably a more grounded explanation yeah. that we are yet to find. Yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think music's extremely magical. It is because it, it's taking, you know, it's a projection from nothing. You're making something out of almost nothing. Hmm. It's an idea. It starts off. Its initial inception is an idea. Hmm. And then it comes into a tangible form through sound. Yeah. But then that sound, it doesn't just end there. That sound then conveys emotion. Definitely. And yeah. that whole process, I think, is extremely magical because I don't think you could put that down to ones and zeros into an equation. It's something completely it, out of our understanding. Exactly. And yeah. I think, you know, some music and, and this is something like love, you know, these are... Uh, why would you want a scientific explanation of that you know yeah. that's something that um the more you, you you get these sort of rigid um logical understandings of of things that's when the the spontaneity in the human you know and the and the, the mystery loses itself you know so i think definitely you know i think um that's why i think it's so that's such a magic moment when I hold my album for the first time, you know, when it mm. comes back, there's something physical and it's it's tangible and you can hold it in your hand and it started as something in your in your mind, you know, mm. and that's just a simple simple idea of that, you know. So yeah, I mean, even down to the the chemistry and performing or jamming with someone, you, you can't explain that scientifically. I mean, there, there are days when it's perfect mm. and you feel something you've never felt before, like yeah. almost like a euphoria or like a high. 
and there's certain days where it just doesn't happen so yeah yeah and you know a lot of artists and musicians kind of do see things from a, a, a mystical point of view you know they do see themselves as as more vehicles you know and, and yeah. that's where the whole idea of you know reductionist science says you know like your thoughts are, are a byproduct of you know the grey matter and some you know um, that you know they come from your brain whereas now I see my brain is almost like a receiver transmitter um, mm. and I know I've heard a lot of people talk about this and the, the science you know, is is viciously working, you know, to to bring rebuttals to that idea. But I can't, it can't be any other way to me because I, I, you know, being in a in a jam room, and uh, you know, you you're essentially a you're a vehicle for this um, for these ideas that, and a lot of people say that's not giving the musician any credit, but it's they're playing a part. They're you know, they're still you know this kind of chaos that's flying past in the ether and their role is to try and bring this down into some kind of tangible yeah simplified mm. idea that um and i get that watching our bass player and our drummer play together you know they've got this ethereal connection together yeah where they know where one another's going you know and they don't there's a communication there that's uh i can't explain and i don't think science will ever be able to explain some things that happen when that magic like yes say, it can <laughs> well I, if it can i wouldn't want it to you know i don't i don't, I don't need an explanation you're crazy man i know but i'm proud of it too <laughs> i think yeah um the yeah it, it's a really good point you made about the musician almost being a, a conduit or like a you know someone to to, to grab something out of the unknown as from their imagination as an idea and then to bring that into something tangible but also the listener is equally as important because they're receiving Mm. you know so you've got conduits and people receiving Mm. that energy as well so you know when when people say oh i i can't play music i just listen to it i i always say you're just as important yeah you're a player as well yeah, yeah definitely because you're receiving that and you're tuning into it and your you know your emotions are connecting with it and that's equally as important definitely um well yeah i mean we've all played shows to to know people that's no fun <laughs> is it <laughs> yeah i still play shows to know people. <laughs> yeah but um well that, that's another debate like would you still do it if no one came oh, to shows? definitely yeah uh, but it's 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 not the same is it you know you've mm. got it that's the the give and take of of an audience they're they're as much participating in the event mm. of a show you know it's it's not a band playing to the audience to me it's you know then which the whole duality thing comes in to me it's it's everyone's participating in that moment to bring about that um yeah that event that mm. will stick with you and everyone receives the information in their own beautiful subjective way and uh, they yeah. all take from it something completely different um but there's, you know, the obvious consistencies that, you know, that's why music is such a, an amazing vehicle to bring people together. Because mm. um, there's a, you know, it's a universal language, which is a very, you know, sad thing. But it's it's so true that um, that's that's the best thing we have, I think, to uh, for, um, you know, as far as empathy is concerned anyway. Because you, 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 that's the best way to connect people, I mm. think. Or, or just art in general definitely yeah. yeah whether it be film or, or a painting or something like that it's, it's art is such an interactive process mm. for both the listener and the, the creator definitely Why the hell?
So um, I read a lot on your Facebook about you know you you mentioned your dad a lot um, on your Facebook. Um, you've mentioned to me as well that he's written a few books. Like, what, what does he do? Um, well, yeah, he's just finished work on his first book, um, which is called The Hiding Place, and um, it's kind of based around a lot of his work um, that he's done in Aboriginal communities um, around the Northern Territory and, and the north of WA mainly. Um, it's a fictional book, so he's written it about this bloke from Adelaide who um, is left, his wife leaves him and then takes the kids somewhere, and uh, he ends up just uh, leaving in his combi, driving north, not knowing where he's going, and ends up in Alice Springs and... Um, you know, through a turn of events, meets uh, some people who uh, eventually lead him to working as uh, a, f- a football coach in um, a remote community. And he learns about, uh, you know, this uh, this middle this middle ground, um, this between worlds, between cultures, um, and finds out, you know, a lot about this this culture. And he's writing it from a white fella perspective you know looking into um these communities so um and it's his you know idea of of what he's seen through his experiences um and yeah i'm i'm very proud of what he's done because he's uh he's taken me out on a on a few trips to the northern territory i've been to places like uendamu and manangrita uh and robin um and met a lot of people in these communities and um i even did a music workshop with my wife novak in Robin with the kids up there um, and yeah it's something I've come to be pretty pretty passionate about um, you know it's a something that's in our local and it's it's in our backyard and it's uh, it it's is. it's mm. not good you know it's, uh, it's, we've it's got so, a lot of work to do uh, it's kind of the elephant in the room like it's 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 so close to us yet we refuse a lot of people that I know just refuse to acknowledge that that is part of history you know yeah, and that's you know you can't blame people uh, you know for uh, for that. There, it's, it's a lot of their got to do with the way they've been brought up and the experiences they've had. Um, and it's you know we're just not taught that in school. We're not taught um, Aboriginal history uh, and you know the history before um, you know colonisation uh, and and colonisation and all the the stories that are coming out now aren't, aren't entirely pretty. You know that's mm. it's. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, I, you find a bit shameful at first because it's pretty brutal, you know. In Tasmania, for example, there was complete genocide, you know. The, yeah. All the Aboriginal people were rounded up into one corner of the island and slaughtered, and, you know, even what happened in Rottnest Island or Wadjamup, as uh, as the locals call it, um, you know, was used as a, as a prison camp, essentially. The, the, the Rottnest Lodge was, you know, people were hung there you know and the the the, the hotel rooms one well, now the hotel rooms were cells you know yeah. it's it's pretty pretty brutal stuff that is just coming to light even up in places like cossack you know the pearl diving up there these stories that i keep hearing about and um you just can't help but uh have an empathy for um for for the native people you know the true owners of this country who have been here for a lot longer than we've been here and um there's a lot of health issues and there's a there's a big gap you know that we need to to bridge not just bridging the gap in terms of um you know the the life expectancy but but reconciliation you know there's a 
there's a big divide and there's a big ignorance when it comes to this amazing culture that we've got here in our backyard you know it's it's incredible and there's a lot of wisdom that they could share with us if we chose to listen um especially in this day and age you know when it's all about sustainability i don't think anyone knows sustainability more than than uh, the aboriginal people so yeah um yeah it's it's something that um yeah i've kind of (laughs) my head's uh, tends to get lost in the clouds a lot and uh, i tend to focus on you know these things that are happening internationally and i always kind of end up bringing it back down to back down to the uh a local kind of area and that's that's where i find my my passion really lies yeah a lot of the time um i was well our school rossmoyne senior high school where i went to um we were fortunate enough to study john pilger's a secret country which is like an amazing yeah it's great um but yeah it's i was super grateful that you know that was introduced into our curriculum because that's such an important book because it just shows the amount of just the extent of the you know horrible things that went on Mm. um that people kind of feel it's um easier to kind of put put in the back of their head and not really address that um and just just me like i still consider myself a a visitor here I don't claim to own anything. Um, but I do find a lot of people kind of get on their high horse about owning this country. Yeah. And, you know, feel that they are entitled to this country. I don't feel that. Um, especially where my dad came from. He himself was a native of Borneo. So I feel it kind of runs in the family when you see injustice, you know, um, I'm sure you feel that about your dad as well. That yep. it kind of does run in the family when um, people kind of try and stand up to injustice, and yep. they feel that it, it really disturbs them the amount of injustice that, that there is. Yeah, and I, I really feel that some people are, are wired that way, and some people just aren't. You know, but they but they can you know grow to empathize and stuff like that. But um, so yeah I, I me as you know coming here whenever the thing that really gets to me is people that claim ownership of the country yeah I've never understood that like I've never felt the need to do that nor have I felt I'm in the position to be entitled to claiming that I am a part of the country you know what I mean yeah like I always feel wherever I am you know you should respect the people that were here and the fact that to an extent everyone is a is a visitor in Definitely. every country you know absolutely yeah but i mean uh when it comes down to the mentality of the aboriginal people a lot of people might claim that you know they they're claiming ownership of the land um which you know a lot of the time you can look at it like that but i see it in a different way that they're uh they view their environment as not something they own it's it's something that this is a part of them they don't really see a, a big distinction between themselves and the land you know there's it's um it's intrinsic to who they are mm. you know and so when they're removed from their land that's it's almost removing a part of them so um and a lot of the time we we try to look at uh problems you know and there's a lot of well-intentioned people you know that are that are very much clued into the injustices like you said uh, in this country and the fact that we've got a hell of a long way to go as far as reconciliation and um 
and recognising the you know the original people of this land. Um, but we look at it from a white fella perspective. You know, we we look at it and think we we know what we're talking about and we know the best way forward where really we need to listen a lot more um which is what that's the biggest thing that i learned from uh going to these communities with my dad you know i was pretty much just a fly on the wall taking notes taking minutes and um you know his job was to be a mediator between uh these you know government organizations or the the education department for instance the northern territory education department and these communities and uh you know these these big wigs come in, and Dad's job was to just kind of remind them to you know listen and uh, you know don't enforce your your will and think you know what's best for for these children. Yeah. You know we we've got to find this middle ground, this in between world. You know, and which is no easy task. You know, because they're two vastly different cultures that have come together, and it's still such a, a um, you know sort of recent history part of history you know it's only just over 200 years ago mm, it's not that long ago not at like all <laughs> you know for a, for a culture that's been here for almost sixty thousand years you know i said before you put mm. it into a 24-hour day that's like us arriving you know just before midnight and you know we expect uh <laughs> you know the, I, you can't understand where this this anger you know there's a lot of anger and resentment um a lot of the time and you see that in aboriginal people who've sort of lost their way you know they've lost their roots so they lost their connection to, to land and culture um but you can't you can't blame them really you know it's uh no you can't but then i go into these communities and i I've meet these old wise you know um tos you know that sit at the back of the the uh these meetings you know and they they listen and there's this, uh, you know, there's an underlying kind of sorrow, you know, but through that, they're, they're, there's a compassion and there's a wisdom, um, and there's even wit, you know. There's, uh, they're, they're funny and beautiful human beings, and I think anyone with a heart in this country that had the benefit of the experiences I've, I've been, you know, lucky enough to have, they probably feel a similar way to me but you can only go on the experiences you've had you know so that yeah. was one of the most eye-opening experiences i've had and um yeah it's just a, there's just a lot of work to be done and that's kind of where i intend to focus a lot of my uh yeah m- my work in the future that's great yeah. um i remember a gig i played at um the prince of wales in bunbury um <laughs> there was um we were setting up we were doing sound check um there was this Aboriginal guy playing pool. You might have even ran into him um, before if you played there, but um, he came up to me and uh, he spotted me from across the bar and he came up to me and he's like, hey, um, how do you feel about all these boat people around? <laughs> and I kind of... At first I was a little bit defensive. I was like, oh, you mean like me? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 all these, all these white fellas. They came on boats, and then like it just hit me. Like I, I cracked up, and he cracked up, and it was, it was like really a, a, an awesome moment. A nice but moment, it, awesome. Yeah, I mean, because it was humorous at the yeah. same time it, as it was kind of the truth. Like, yeah, um, and that really sank in. Like I, it was like about six years ago, but like I still remember it to this day. Like that's a really good point. Like we've all come from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And we're all here, and. Um, and we got to move forward together. Yeah, it's a thing. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's no no easy task. So, 
um, there's a lot of people, as I said, who's um, you know their, their heads are in the right place and they want to see uh, things move forward. But um, yeah, there's a, a lot of work to be done. I'm, I'm looking at getting involved with um, uh, the Jimmy Little Foundation in the future, which is um, a project run by uh, Buzz Bidstrup, who used to um, uh, play in the Angels, actually, and he's uh, he uh, yeah gets involved in this this. Um, this foundation which is aimed mainly towards uh, renal health and, and stuff mm. like that so it's, that that's a starting place for me because it's such a a big you know a big area that's a bit overwhelming that you just really got to start somewhere and um but i mean just just talking about this sort of stuff is is a start in itself so yeah it is know. it's it's so you see so many people kind of clench up when this sort of subject is brought up yeah especially with um the treatment of aboriginals but i don't get like we yeah the only way to really move forward is communication yeah and it's just openly addressing without fear and without shame you mm. know like that you know we can make something good out of it you know we can reconcile yeah um globally you find a lot of the same treatment with natives even down to where i'm come from I don't know. It's it's hard to wrap your head around. Like, what what is it about the natives that people feel so inclined to look down on or to to try and you know change? You know, yeah. and, and what is it about human nature that feels that our way is better, superior? Than, yeah, superior or the only you know you hear about progression. Mm. And progression in our sense usually means building more buildings. <laughs> yeah, you know, like is more it right really, angles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is, is it really progression? Like, um, with a lot of natives, they, you know, they have developed this sort of equilibrium with the land in a harmonious way. Definitely. And we've come in and, you know, kind of destroyed that, um, kind of self-justifying that actually our progress actually means progress. Yeah. Um, so it's weird, like, whether it be, you know, the from Papua New Guinea to the Native Americans, they, they all seem to have that, same treatment definitely know, from the west which is well not only from the west but you know you see that in china with mongolia and all that stuff it it, it seems to be a common trait in humans to want to dominate yeah you know? what's that elitism you know it's uh yeah my way is is better um yeah which is you know it's part of part of being human i guess but um or is it you know it's, is, is it a something that's just drilled into us so I, I i don't feel it's it's natural as far as as i'm concerned so um yeah i think that you know there's obviously without putting down um our culture that that we've got in australia you know it's i'm very proud to live in this country and i'm very proud i'm a proud australian you know and mm. there's uh there's obviously things about the society we've built here that is um that's amazing you know and it's 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 great um, and that I wouldn't want to lose, but uh, enforcing that on a culture that was here before us is uh, inherently wrong, I think. And there's a lot of lot of stuff that we could learn if we uh, just chose to shut up for a second and, and yeah. listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, like I, I was saying before, me as a visitor here, which uh, I still, I mean, even though I am a citizen, I just became a citizen like about two years ago. Um, it's an issue where I don't feel I have any stance in. Like, wh- what do you think about that? Like, people that are 
new to the country or have migrated i mean do you think people are entitled to to voice their opinion like absolutely yeah i think you know multiculturalism is is something we should wear like a badge of honor you know it's it's a it's a very multicultural society and and it should continue to to be that way um you know you've got as much right as i do as every aboriginal person does and um you know being australian means being australian whatever uh you know how long you've been here or or what what color your skin is or what what creed or whatever it's uh i think that's that's something that most australians pride themselves on is this is multicultural society so um and in you know in the variety of of uh of different cultures uh comes comes beauty i think you know you know (laughs) i've seen some some pretty beautiful uh crossbred uh (laughs) people (laughs) in uh physically and mentally it's it's uh there's you know beauty comes of that sort of stuff so we should embrace it for sure yeah it's it's the diversity that really pushes us forward because we learn so much as people by the fact that there are so many different people with so many different stories Mm. and you know it's weird that uh, there are people out there that think the opposite, the complete opposite, that we need to retain, you know, we need to keep safe what is Australia. Yeah. Which is, unfortunately... One like, nation. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> which is, is kind of weird that, um, you know, people really do feel that. I mean, I, I guess there is some substance in that argument, you know, um, to an extent. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, yeah. it's to me, it's just a, it's a little bit... Um, it's just closed-minded, you know. That's the only way I can put it. Um, yeah, like you said, diversity is is the word, um, and through diversity, I think it comes um, progress, and yeah. change, and uh, understanding. Mm. So, especially one one nation like- can get fucked. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you go to places like like London, and my mum studied in London before she married my dad so and she said you know the the culture there was so i mean even right down to the food it was just so bad until it was diversified with so many different cultures that's when it really started to grow Mm. and like you said before like we are such a young nation i don't think we are we fully accept or address that idea that maybe you know this is like a, a teething period we do need Absolutely we is, do yeah. need more people here to kind of expand yeah and we've got so much room to do it mm. and so much potential but unfortunately you get people that want to hold it back you know you always throughout history you always get people that are trying to retain the old way yeah and they're afraid of change they're afraid of people threatening their way of life um exactly their morals you know the 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 structure the system that's holding everything up they're Mm. afraid that that's in jeopardy by letting people in yeah so it's weird that that's you find that you know globally throughout the world it's it's a common trait to to be afraid of people coming in and threatening your way of life yeah which we're finding at the moment with the uh you know the whole uh illegal in inverted commas illegal immigrant uh, yeah. you know stance that's that's happening that's really quite a sad time for uh 
Australian politics, really, or the history of Australia. The, the fact that that's being, you know, human lives are being used as a, um, you know, as a just for political points, basically. Political platforms for yeah. votes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's very sad, and that's and what is even more sad that it appeals to a lot of this country that uh, of that that us versus them mentality is um you know like it's a it's a means for people to justify their uh <laughs> their ignorance basically and because they it's just a, a matter of not knowing the facts you know like yeah. it's not it's not illegal to uh to seek asylum and that's that's a fact so yeah um, and that's that's a, a myth that's really propagated by so many people is this um idea that what they're doing is actually unlawful in the first place which it isn't it's a UN right that you can seek asylum you know wherever yeah exactly Um, but yeah I was talking to you before about how it seems like the the boat people platform is a gateway to people's xenophobia Mm. how they they kind of feel like um this is a perfect opportunity to kind of stress about how they feel indirectly Mm. Because you know, it's it's almost like the perfect way to to uh, express um, your inner fear mm. about people coming to this to, to this country. You know, I'm and what what, what the better way, way life, than yeah. yeah? What better way than people coming on boats? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not to yeah. mention the uh, you know the ads that have found their way into into media, like they actually think that they're communicating to people who may have recently arrived by boat. You know, like these. These asylum seekers will be sitting drinking their coffee in the morning and read that newspaper article, you know. If you've yeah. recently arrived by boat, I go, All right, family, let's get on a boat and head back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they've got bigger things on their plate, you know. Yeah. You know. Like staying alive. You yeah. Know, it's just, uh, I think remembering that they're human beings that are in, you know, most of the time escaping from scenarios that we can't even imagine, you know, in these war torn countries. Um, which is not the case all of the time I understand that but um the the lack of compassion is just absolutely astounding and it's exactly like you said it's it's not all the time but should we lose all of our compassion just for those people that are that could possibly be exploiting the system yeah like do we lose do, you know the the rest of the people that are legitimately coming here for you know really bad reasons like, mm. do we then you know, shut the doors on them simply because there are a few people exploiting the system. Like, yeah, I mean, there's so many people like justifying the financially justifying it, saying that we can't afford it. You know, but bullshit. So we yeah we were talking earlier just in the break about um psychedelics and and kind of the the place it has today in our culture um the the furthest I've gone is you know just a bit of pot here and there but um you were telling me about your DMT experience <laughs> what was that like um it was amazing yeah it it was uh 
the one and only time I've, I've tried it um, and I'd, I had read into it a fair bit before I, I went into the experience. So, you know, I kind of knew um, a little bit about it, you know, but as I heard from everyone that nothing can really prepare you for, uh, you know, that kind of experience. Mm, um, it's not something you can read about theoretically yeah, without doing it. Or even really put into words, you know. Um it still felt like I only sort of dipped my, my feet in. Um, you know, I was, I was a little bit uh, hesitant, as I am with any uh, psychoactive drugs, you know, because it's, um, it's something that you don't take lightly and it's something that um, really shouldn't be done recreationally just for the, the sake of it, you know. It's, uh, it, it's something I think that should be respected and, um, you know, it, it is stigmatised, you know, with the whole war on drugs crap that we've got going on in this day and age which is failed it's clearly shown it's failed time and time again yeah absolutely the, the amount of money we put into it uh can be better used into health or rehabilitation for addiction rather than absolutely locking people up in cages just because they have yeah. something on them yeah and i mean on the the you know speaking about addiction um you know like I find myself, I, I do struggle with vices, you know, like I'll be honest about that. You know, I do, I smoke and I drink probably more than I should. But maybe, you know, there's a bunch of articles recently that's come out, you know, talking about the merits in, in psychedelic drugs and um, the idea that it can help with, with mental health and can help free you from addiction and all that sort of stuff, mm. you know. Um, a lot of people go over to... Uh, you know Peru and and do these ayahuasca ceremonies um, in order to free themselves from addictions you know yeah. in the first place is it, it gives you certain insights and you know holds a mirror up um, and and shows you things that you might not be comfortable about you know yeah but um, you're forced to sort of deal with them um, <clears throat> and I do think uh, psychoactive drugs definitely do have a role to play you know like the altered states of consciousness is something that we've been engaged with all throughout antiquity you know it's uh even down to you know kids you know you find yourself spinning around and, and make yourself go dizzy just to uh to you know give yourself a bit of a bit of a little high or whatever yeah. just to uh kids know. are extremely psychedelic like my mum my babysits and just when you hang out with kids for a long period of time you realize how they're constantly in that zen state that we crave all the time there's no inhibitions exactly if if they feel they want to draw a picture of something weird they just do it yeah i know i think we kind of lose that as adults like we think oh that's that's silly why should i be doing that but and everyone's still got the inner child within them you know that's part of um you know psychotherapy talks a lot about you know the uh the inner child within everyone that's uh you know screaming for attention you know and sometimes that can come out in negative ways and yeah. and it can come out in positive ways you know it's uh, yeah. something that you can't neglect um and uh you know that that's where you know you, you, your intrigue comes from and that's where the wonder uh the wonder in the, of you know the universe and the unknown you know when you're a kid you just you're so in, intrigued by everything and and the society that we've built for ourselves you know which you can't blame people you know a lot of the time and that's the beauty of of <laughs> having a job as a musician um is i have a you know a lot more time on my hands and i've made the choice to you know to to do what i'm doing and uh, i can 
you know I, I, I choose to to look into certain things that a lot of people who are trying to just get by and trying to make money to uh, support their kids and, and just stay alive and put food on the table and have a roof over their head you know you, you can't um, you know they've, they've had to shut that part off um, hmm. and just this is my view of the world and um, you know that that's what it is and no one's changing it and, and if, if I do you know look behind the veil and, and experiment with this sort of stuff it's going to send my whole world tumbling around <laughs> my ears you know the problem with most psychedelic drugs is that they're used recreationally it's there's no well res- they are fun let's let's be honest well, they're, they're definitely fun i mean but you know in, in my personal experience it's um approached with with a very immature frame of mind yeah. therefore you you know you're at a party or whatever and that's kind of where you you find most drugs but there can be a mature way of approaching them um in a really useful way as well where you can take your experience with you for life and what it teaches you because i I find psychedelics really extremely self-reflective yeah and you you get that uh, objective point of view that you don't get um anywhere else yeah well i think it's a it's a very useful tool for uh um, you know, for for psychotherapy and for consciousness study, and you know, like Hoffman and and Timothy Leary and people like these, you know, who who had degrees in um, you know in psychotherapy, found that experimenting with mind altering substances um, gave them insights that they weren't uh, privy to. You know, in in your your standard sort of everyday here and now. Um, kind of conscious level and as i was saying to you before you know I, I think there's other ways to get insights apart from taking you know mind-altering drugs there's you know there's meditation, things, meditation yoga, all that stuff yeah. there's uh you know sensory deprivation there's yeah. uh, fasting you know there's uh rhythmic dancing you know like i think the native people of australia you know that those ceremonies you know that that's not just bunch of aboriginal guys just dancing around and making a racket i think there was something actually going on there you know there's a hypnosis involved that in, yeah. involved a, um, a change of consciousness um it's like a mantra or you know yeah. if you yeah using certain vocal vibrational frequencies to Definitely. elevate your consciousness yeah and when you hear i've heard a few stories from friends when they experiment with with dmt that um uh actually the idea of speaking um you know their words become something physical um you know they 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 mouth things and these things come to life and they can they can shape things and mold mm-hmm. things and i've heard of there's a good friend of mine that ended up walking around his backyard and just making these weird sounds and if any neighbor was to peer over the fence they just would have this guy's absolutely <laughs> lost his mind but you know he's, he's bringing things to life by uh you know and you find this connection between uh you know things that you can vocalize uh, or even even think there's uh, these barriers got to break down between um things that are unseen and you know this this metaphysical world starts to come into view um mm. it's it's such a you know it's it's an amazing area that absolutely intrigues me and there's so much literature out there um i mean there's a, a book uh, before i mentioned to you if anyone's interested in this sort of stuff uh the Cosmic Serpent uh, DNA and the Origins of Knowledge by Jeremy Narby is an amazing read. Uh, Supernatural by Graham Hancock. Um, there's Food of the Gods by Terence McKenna. Mm. 
yeah um i love listening to that guy talk such a tripper yeah um <laughs> yeah and uh yeah there's, there's there's a lot of people that have dedicated a lot of time into um studying the effects of these um of these chemicals uh, actually the other one is the spirit molecule there's a documentary called the spirit molecule as well which is worth a watch um but there's a book by uh dr rick strassman called the uh, the spirit molecule which um yeah, it even goes into a, um, a U.S. government-sanctioned research project where a lot of people were, were given a certain dosage of DMT and and they studied the effects and, you know, these certain consistencies that were found throughout their experiences um, spoke volumes, you know. Even uh, one of them is, you know, seeing these uh, these serpent <clears throat> images and the, the idea of, a you know, these the serpent symbol which goes back into antiquity you know um even francis crick who is you know credited or at least one half um of you know the the two people who are credited with with discovering the uh double helix shape of dna, DNA. um yeah. you know francis crick which said is, on his deathbed that he he saw this the shape when he was on lsd so yeah which is the 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 two serpents uh mirroring each other or wrapping around each other which is the dna Helix, exactly. which is like a, a zip almost, yeah, it can be unlocked. You know? And then, funnily enough, the uh, um, well, I mean, you, you know, DMT is it is it's a molecule dimethyl dimethyltryptamine, um, which is uh, it can be uh, smoked basically. That's and when, that's how I did it. You know, it was um, extracted, and I don't know how exactly it is uh, is turned into a, into this chemical. But you know, I was I was very. Uh, hesitant in doing it you know i'd never freebased anything in my life before um so uh it tasted like absolute crap um <laughs> so um i didn't take the heroic dose as terence mckenna would have put it but um yeah you know the the other way of um of doing it is going and and drinking the uh these brews like the ayahuasca brew in um, peyote which, which the uh american indians yeah drink from the cactus plant that's know. right yeah um uh yeah so the even like the the vine um i mean the reason you, you smoke it it only lasts between five and ten minutes because um, if you ingest it um there's a there's an inhibitor in your stomach an enzyme that uh, switches yeah. off the effect but they've managed to find a way to brew it that bypasses those yeah well that yeah. The, that that's found in in the vine which is a part of this i think it's psychotria varieta or something like that is the name of the plant but it just so happens that this vine that looks like a double helix which is attached to the 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 tree holds the uh you know the this chemical that unlocks that enzyme in your stomach that allows it to be ingested and um you trip trip balls for 13 hours and yeah it's almost scientifically planned or done yet they weren't scientific at all in their methods they just knew about it yeah Yeah. i was saying before you know like this jeremy narby guy who wrote the cosmic serpent asked these these uh the Ashen Inca tribe, how they discovered this, you know, ha- this thousands and thousands of these species in the Amazon, you know, there's more species in any- than anywhere in the world, but still they know exactly, you know, what plant to go to to get a certain um, medicine from it and how to extract it and how to boil it down. And, you know, they asked, where, where do you find this knowledge from? And they say, well, the... You know, essentially the plants communicate it to us you know the, in the in the uh the spirit world which we go through all the shamans who are that's their role in society is to go and bring back this information to get this insight and they communicate that back to us you know mm. and that's been lost in western society um 
mostly you know it's that but i think it's a very integral part yeah um that that shouldn't be lost but you know it's not like you know we're going to get any of our politicians anytime soon (laughs) going um the i think a couple of podcasts ago we were kind of uh looking at this article um that was in the the paper local paper about dmt um and they called it a vilified yeah, they called it a new street drug and didn't even mention the fact that DMT is uh, actually uh, created in the brain naturally. The pineal gland, yeah. It can be synthesized from lawn grass and mm. most of the things that you find in, in nature. Wattle, wattle apparently has a, has a large amount of it in it as well. Yeah, um, and it just the amount of propaganda, disinformation around it, it they, they were basing... They basically made it look like the new methamphetamine. Like that, that's the way that they were phrasing everything. Like I'm not kidding. Like the new street drug like, yeah. that your kids could be smoking. But then they, you know, I think you mentioned before, like they show a video of you know a bunch of bullheads just smoking it together and going, "Oh, look at this dickhead! He's tripping out. It's fucking sick." Yeah, but and yeah, to, yeah the, the fact that you know we. We approach all this with such an immature frame of mind simply because there's not enough mature communication and information about the drug. Yeah. Therefore, we're going to approach it with a really simple mind that this is just we're doing something naughty as opposed to something that could actually help us. You know, they're they're finding now that magic mushrooms are curing, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. Yeah. War veterans, you know, because it basically... um, they found that the the actual mushroom itself uh, stimulates uh, brain motor neuron creation, like it actually forms new patterns in your mind that can be positive. Yeah, and uh, and uh, kind of numbs or breaks away from the the past experiences. But of course, you know, you won't really find that in mainstream news. You have to search for it. Like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Well, I mean, it's you know, it is a stigma that's attached to um, a lot of these substances, you know, which are. A, you know they are abused as well which don't get me wrong but i think that is due to the lack of information that's out there and the stigma that is uh, and the war of drugs it's, it's not working and um it's actually detrimental it's making it worse absolutely yeah. i mean we found that you know prohibition didn't work back in the prohibition days you know look what that <laughs> look where that mm. went well it's giving power to the black market really exactly yeah and i you know even down to um back to pot you know there's uh the the non psychoactive part you know there's thc which is a psychoactive part of it and then there's thca apparently which is um very helpful um when extracted in in um just for for medicine you know you find um there was this this bloke in um in nimbin i can't remember his name um unfortunately but you know he's this guy that's uh prescribing these um cannabinoid medicines to uh children with seizures and you know these families are clutching at straws you know because then they're finding their their children nothing's helping them they're they're trying all sorts of medicines and even natural therapies and all sorts of stuff and they they, you know they end up you know these conservative families it's you know they are really needing to find something and they go to this guy it's an illegal substance but still he's found a way around it and they found it's the only thing that's curing their, their child's seizures so you know even this hopefully is um uh opening up a debate again and you find with a lot of states in america who are finally legalizing pot mm. that um you know the stigmas 
lifting and you know hemp was such a, a massive business back before it was uh made illegal you know like the uh apparently the american constitution was written on hemp paper and you know it was yeah. used for fabric well they, they all yeah most of the forefathers um owned hemp crops yeah um that was it, it's a far superior uh material than cotton um you know uh it lasts way longer and basically the one of the prime reasons for the outlawing of hemp and, and marijuana was simply because it threatened the cotton industry which was a lot cheaper to make mm. yeah so <laughs> you'll find that a lot of the a lot of the uh, laws against marijuana are simply financially based mm. not really health based at all because if you look at what's legal now I mean like cigarettes are almost guaranteed to kill you you know and the the amount of traffic ac- accidents from alcohol as well yeah but you know there's no ld50 rate for marijuana you can't actually die die yeah. f- directly from it you know you might die from eating too much but yeah <laughs> well, you might you might get so paranoid when you you know just uh you call your friend go i can't breathe i think i'm gonna die <laughs> i think i'm dying and then you'll, you'll wake up covered in doritos and, and <laughs> lying on your xbox controller going oh what did i do yeah. last night there, there is a healthy level of paranoia i think some you ever meet those people in life where you're like you actually could benefit from a bit of weed <laughs> yeah. you know those people that need to be cut down a notch you know yeah. they're so confident in you know they're so confident in their their reality and what what is real and you know their belief system and you're like you know the only way to really challenge that is through psychedelics like yeah. you need a little bit of a um awakening kind of thing definitely you know? well i think you know I, I went through a stage of smoking a lot of pot you know and uh, i actually i'm sm- still in that stage now yeah <laughs> well yeah I, I i'm kind of i mean uh yeah back to square one i, I you know was experimenting sorry experimenting with it back in uh, early high school you know for the first time and had this crazy experience that my young mind wasn't ready for and it was just it was crazy and i ended mm. up just stopping for like 10 years yeah uh and then you know in my early 20s i kind of approached it with caution again and it had a completely different effect on me mm. um in fact you know it really uh it, it was perfect timing really everything else that was going on in my life and it aligned with a lot of things and opened my mind to uh, a lot of stuff and um made me see the, the world a bit differently uh it it didn't really change my perception it just really brought out things that i think were inherent in me that brought brought them to the surface you yeah. know and including seeing things more holistically um instead you know just as instead of the separation between everything it brought out a uh, sense of uh dissent i guess you know and, and a, a questioning of authority as a major, major thing you find that as a big consistency between you know the cultures that that smoke a lot of pot you know just look at the rastas for example mm. um and uh you know it, it's also there's a humility involved i think it makes it's, it's a humbling experience and it, it makes it you um even see the beauty in things that you you haven't even noticed before and that's not just pot that's for a lot of things you know you can notice these uh amazing d- 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 detail and things not just physical things you know it could be a, a construct of the mind a, 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 you know more of a um 
a conscious thing, but you, you yeah. notice things that you wouldn't wouldn't have noticed otherwise. So yeah, I mean, I, I I harp on about pot on my Twitter a lot. You know, I'm a big pot advocate for legalization. Um, but the the common misconception is that I'm saying that it's the answer to our problems, and I don't think that. No. It's and it's not for everyone. It affects everyone completely differently. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do think that it's misunderstood and it can totally. be a real tool just one you know one uh one tool in a you know a, a variety of tools whether it be meditation or yoga Absolutely. Or, um it's simply a tool that's mm. it it's not the answer to our problems i don't think everyone should go out there and smoke pot mm. but there are things that you can learn from it that you simply can't you know Definitely. from any other avenue so yeah and i would think i've learned true empathy through smoking pot you know yeah. like as in it makes you look uh it breaks down barriers basically yeah. um and i've had some of the most amazing conversations around, you know just traveling around the world especially in in america places where it's legal you know even places where it's not legal <laughs> um and just just meeting amazing people and, and intelligent people and people that are passionate um and are passionate about change and um mm. and new ideas you know like never look past the ingenuity of a stoner if you yeah. you want to make just look at the the, the tools they make to smoke the stuff <laughs> <laughs> apples <and laughs> cans snow <aluminum>. bongs <laughs> you haven't had one of them yeah um chili bong <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, i would never recommend something from the bottom of my heart if i didn't think it would if if i thought that something was bad i wouldn't recommend it or i, yeah. I wouldn't support it at all and it's not which is it? why I don't tell everyone to I go don't recommend get drunk you, you, you yeah. know you, you, and I don't recommend you, you drive on it or you yeah. know um, it's not something you want to do all the time you know And but the, the idea that it's a gateway drug as well is just absolute bullshit it's, yeah um, I haven't touched anything yeah well it's just so. there's no basis in that statement I don't think you know it's just and the worst thing that's going to happen if you have a bad experience, you're just going to get a bit paranoid and lock the doors and probably eat too much cheesecake, like fucking big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I mean, the, the the lessons that you take with it is is the valuable thing. It's, it's not the fact that you know when you're in the stone state and when you're actually high, that's not where the reward comes. It's when you come out of it. Yeah, and you, you take that memory, that experience with you. Yeah. And you learn from it, and you utilize it in your everyday life. And yeah. You learn to be more empathetic. You learn to be more creative. You learn to listen to people. Yep. You learn to see through, you know, a lot of lies that are around in the world. Definitely, that's what you take with you. And I, th- you know, I completely agree. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, a lot of the problems arise with uh, drug abuses when they they get a certain high and they constantly try to get back there you know and try to have that same experience again and that's not going to happen you know mm. it's it's i think uh none of that matters you know I, I do see that as a learning tool you know i think um it really opens the floodgates as far as these ideas they just start flowing in but none of that matters unless you put it into practice you know like whether exactly, you, you yeah. uh you you take those those uh those messages and those lessons that might be shown to you and you know, it's held up in front of your face it's like mm. a like a defrag on a computer almost like it's yeah. it shows you things that you know uh, the, maybe you're not on track in this part of your life you know maybe you should deal with this and even physical stuff like you know if I smoke pot and there's a certain uh, 
organ in my body like it might enhance the feeling of my liver i'm like yep i'm drinking too much of the moment it really exposes like everything inconsistent in your life and kind of puts it out in front of you it lays it all out in front of you yeah. and you're forced deal to deal with it, with it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unfortunately a lot of people freak out and go oh, i can't handle pot because it made me think i was like losing no. my mind or something yeah, and i'm like no, we well, maybe like you need to be taught we... that list like, <laughs> yeah maybe that's what you kind of needed exactly you know yeah um there's no real wrong experience like you take what you need to know out of that experience you know mm. definitely yeah, yeah. Breaking down stigmas. <laughs> well, there's machine uh, control. <laughs> I feel like we've barely scratched the surface about the stuff that we've talked about, yeah, and the, and the, the potential stuff that you could talk about as well. I can tell. Yeah, I mean, we've, we, we've had so much discussion outside of the podcast as well. Which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've um, covered all sorts of a variety of, of topics, but yeah, let's definitely do this again. Yeah, definitely, man. I'd, I'd love to. I mean, it's it's so refreshing like doing this to me and that's the whole reason why i'm doing it is to get an insight into what people think what people feel which um you simply don't get that with radio i feel no i mean uh, i mean i'm not not bagging out radio that's the last thing i want to do but it's simply you don't get to know people yeah that's how i feel um there's you know too many restrictions on time and what you can say and stuff like that you know yeah sometimes most of the time you're on radio to promote something so you can't really divert from that yeah yeah exactly so um that's one of the reasons why i wanted to get you on because i knew you felt a certain way that i resonated with um and i feel that you know the more that we kind of band together and and help each other through this period is is a, a great thing you know yeah and i also think um and I'll use the word again, the stigma that's attached to um, some of these ideas that, you know, you talk about and you, you, it detracts people from looking into certain things. You know, you'd be, you, you know, people are afraid of getting called a kook or a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist or whatever. It's just, um, you know, it's, I like interesting weird topics that are, that are on the fringe and some of it is speculation, definitely, but um, I, I like... Um, talk about this sort of stuff that's a lot of the time shunned and you know in in uh, mainstream media and uh, so all the more people that begin to talk about these wacky ideas that you know yeah they believe you should be thrown in a loony bin for them I think um, <laughs> I feel it, it, it's such a necessary element to living in today is that we have people talking about stuff that people tend to avoid mm. you know. Um, I feel it's a really valuable thing to have and it's not it's really hard to come by people that are willing to be as open as you are um, yeah well because, I, I, you know, I, we, we, we could have we could have sat here and just talked about carnival all day but yeah. that like what's that gonna do yeah, yeah. Never heard we, everyone knows you're a great man no. so. <laughs> I mean like it's you know people want to get to know what's behind all that where the inspiration comes from like yeah uh, what are you like as a person like as a human like as opposed to what you're promoting on the day uh, yeah um, what I put out there yeah that's all, all yeah all the more open conversation the better I think so and like coming back to you know you like you said it's, it's a rare thing to find people that are uh, into this sort of stuff or at least open about it you know I do know a lot of people that you know <laughs> that are, yeah that are right into um interesting ideas and um but they're just a little bit afraid to put their character on the line to be yeah 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 exactly yeah i don't know 
who gives a shit really <laughs> it's all fun and games <laughs> awesome well thanks so much for coming down no um, thanks for driving all the way from Maylands no I know problems, it's a fun drive <laughs> um, hopefully it won't be the last one though I'd love to have you back on you know with anyone else that you, th- you think might be into it so definitely yeah. I'll, I'll uh, round up the troops <laughs> <laughs> um, you can download all of our episodes uh, at missionctrl.com.au and you can also subscribe on iTunes by searching Mission Control Podcast uh, Drew thanks so much for coming down no worries peace out bye cheers We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. That's one small step for man. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You're listening to Mission Control.